from a brand's point of view, what you want to be looking at is actually like what that conversation conversation spike is. We actually see that it leads to this. I mentioned it earlier, but it, it, it tangible three percent, a ten percent increase in your conversation by your brand leads to three percent uh, in sales. A ten percent increase in conversation leads to a three percent increase in sales. I thought that I had misheard this when he was talking, but Daniel, you confirmed that it was true when we were done recording. Um, and if that doesn't make every single listener run right now to their content calendars and look at how they're approaching Twitter content, I don't know what will. Daniel, that is an amazing stat. It's true. And we confirmed it, of course, by looking at tweets about the tweets, the effectiveness of the tweets. So it has been confirmed in the most uh, unique and Twitter-like manner. Uh, 10% to 3%. I, I can't think of a better ratio than that. Yeah, I mean, it's honestly, this whole conversation is really going to make you rethink about how you're approaching Twitter in general in a very good way, because our guest today is Ted Harrison. He's head of advertiser production at Twitter. And man, he gives some good insights. Like I just, this conversation today was great. We talk about video on Twitter and just how effective it is and how we really need to start prioritizing video on Twitter because of just how amazing it is and the results that are happening to it. Uh, we talked a lot about creators and how we should engage them and, and not just think about them in traditional ways, but really leverage them plus the platform features to the fullest and and just do things that are different and out of the box and unexpected. And Daniel, I don't know. I'm just a really big fan of this conversation today. I think everybody's going to get a lot out of it. He's a good coach as well as a, a good artistic and creative thinker. So there's a lot of good stuff worth listening to. There is. And also speaking of some good stuff, Social Pros listeners, we have some very, very exciting news for you. In case you didn't hear during this year's Content Marketing Awards, this podcast, the Social Pros podcast, placed first in best podcast audio series. We took first, we took home the gold, and we couldn't have done it without you. We truly can't thank everyone enough for listening to our episodes over the years. Of course, thanking Jay as well for starting this podcast so long ago, over 10 years ago keeping it running week to week to week. So thank you everybody for tuning in every single week and helping us bring home the gold. We are so excited to continue week after week to produce the same award-winning content that you have come to us for for the last 10 years. And of course, speaking of amazing award-winning work, uh, you should definitely go check out ICUC. ICUC are experts in online and social media community management, and they're here to remind the world that there are real humans behind brands. ICUC creates the space where tech meets human power by moderating, listening, and holding real conversations with customers on behalf of enterprise brands at a global scale. They provide strategic support and fill customer care gaps as an extension of your team 24-7, 365 days a year on every social platform and in any language. Head to icuc.social to schedule a consultation and chat with them. That's icuc.social. And of course, last but not least, everybody, we know that time is so precious. And that's why we at the Convincing Convert team put together a free social media audit bundle that will help you execute an A-class social audit in no time. This bundle is amazing. And again, it is 100% free. And it features a social media evaluation checklist, uh, our ebook on the nine social media metrics that matter, a content calendar template, and of course, a social media policy template. All good things to have in your back pocket. 
uh, for when you absolutely have to get everything done and uh, you just need to go ahead and execute it in no time. Go ahead and download your free social bundle today at bit.ly slash social audit bundle. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash social audit bundle, all lower case. And now let's go ahead and get into this conversation with Ted Harrison, head of advertiser production at Twitter. From spending time as a civilian video producer in Iraq to creating award-winning Super Bowl commercial, providing script coverage for an Academy Award-winning director, and now to overseeing the production of literally thousands of Twitter ads each year for Fortune 500 brands, our guest today knows way, 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 way more than a thing or two about what makes content truly successful, especially on Twitter. Ted Harrison, head of advertising production for Twitter, welcome to the show. It is so great to have you here. It's awesome to be here. You know, I, I really appreciate you guys having me on. It's, it's a lot of fun being able to talk about content. I r- love nerding out about this stuff. We love nerding about it too. And uh, we are going to nerd out pretty hard on a lot of video conversations today. We're going to nerd out pretty hard on some creator content conversations today. Um, but before we get into that, um, let's talk a little bit about your role, just so everybody understands exactly uh, what you do on a day-to-day basis and, and what you do with all of this amazing background and expertise that you have. Um, so head of advertiser production for Twitter, what exactly does that entail and what does that look like? Yeah, so often it gets confused. You think um, someone who's working in production or, or leading production for a brand when you have Twitter associated, you think I'm doing video work for Twitter. But for for us, we actually operate as the internal production house for the advertisers on our platform. Uh, we we work alongside at you know at Twitter Next with some strategists, uh, technologists, and, and producers like my team to create content, create ideas worth talking about, and content that earns attention uh, for literally thousands of advertisers that are looking to get their messages across on the platform each and every single day. So I, I look over our whenever we go to make net new video for brands, whenever we're editing and optimizing that content, producing the branded likes and branded hashtags, which are increasingly important on the platform for driving conversation, as well as partnering brands with creators uh, to, to really elevate uh, and drive cultural uh, nuanced conversation um, in the different niche topics that exist. So uh, it's a lot of fun. It's definitely a, kind of feels a little bit like wearing a lot of hats, but fortunately I have a really great team who helps support that. And we get to produce some really, really fun content on the platform. Yeah, you do, you and the team do some incredible work. And I would love actually to, get, to kick it off because we've been teasing this. We mentioned Fortune 500, all this amazing work that you and the team do. You and the team actually recently worked on a massive effort for Top Gun Maverick. Um, and it was really uh, super Twitter specific, obviously created just for Twitter. Can you talk through that process, what that looked like and some of the details, just to give people a preview of some of the unbelievably cool work that you're doing. Yeah, no, the Top Gun uh, campaign was incredible. First of all, it was a super great movie. If you haven't seen it yet, definitely worth a watch or a second watch or a third. Um, but it uh, it it was really fun working on that. It was actually coming to life. It came to life over the course of two different or two years because they had the delay on their end with the pandemic uh, and they wanted to delay so that they could release it in theaters. And so we had kind of started initializing the conversations as far back as 2020. And then in a, in a way, it kind of bought us time to do something I think was really, which was really spectacular, where we were able to actually um, really uh, work with their team over um, Paramount and, and work on how we were going to break the fourth wall on the platform in Twitter's most visible space. And so uh, if you go over to the Explore tab, which is that little magnifying uh, glass in the corner of the or bottom of the app, 
there there is an ad placement at the very top that uh, the advertisers can buy into every single day. And of course, Top Gun uh, wanted to be uh, splashy on that particular day as they were going to launch uh, or going to be live in theaters. And so we um, actually created a piece of content which embedded a tweet, had the jet flying through it. It like really felt like kind of like jumping out at you knew where the content was, right? Which is probably something we'll be talking quite a bit about is understanding where your content's living in order to create that content. And then even further, we were able to extend that and have this partnership um, and, and work through uh, where there's billboards in Times Square. And my team did the work for that as well. Uh, shout out to Rob and Simon, who did a lot of that work uh, to kind of tie those things together. But we were able to kind of marry the, and interplay those two things and really drive conversation for Top Gun, which led to some pretty significant results for, uh, for, for Top Gun. Let's just say really high. I, I don't think I can share the details, but pretty, pretty great results for Top Gun on, on what was already a very, you know, talked about and, and conversed about um, a movie that was that was releasing. So really exciting stuff. I can't even imagine the NDA that you were under and are still under. So yeah, no, uh, no worries on not releasing specifics, but that's insane. So two years, you were kind of working or talking to them. Um, and then you produced this amazing, amazing like Twitter first campaign. And then it spilled over into Times Square, which is insane. Yeah, it, it really is wild to go from working on like this world's smallest, you know, uh, canvas to the world's largest in, in a way in Times Square. It, it's, it's an interesting way of interplay or of those two things interplaying with each other to drive that the results that they are looking to achieve. That's awesome. I'm also such a massive fan of anything that breaks the fourth wall with ads. I think it's just innovative it's really fun especially when it's in really unexpected ways like that and i think it just makes everything more engaging and so much more fun and obviously it sounds like you have the metrics to back it up um maybe that's uh, maybe that's a part two of the conversation when the nda runs out um but i know that also ted i know that obviously not every single brand that you work with is top gun maverick you work with a lot of brands who maybe need a little more help in terms of how they think about creating content for Twitter or how they engage their audiences. And I know a big part of what you do is actually working with your customers and your clients to um, help them rethink how to create content for Twitter. So just from your perspective today and what you're doing and who you're working with, how exactly are brands thinking about creating content for Twitter today versus how they should be thinking about creating content for Twitter today? Yeah, I think it it all starts, and I, I alluded to this whenever we, I talked about what Twitter Next is, where we're creating content that earns attention, right? And I think what often happens as we like go to talk about this, we've all now, as social pros, understand and know the word attention. We've heard it said a million times. But one thing that um, we realized as a team one time, like we were in a meeting just like talking about the word attention at a time, and like, yeah, we need to get attention. That's like a best practice. And finally, I just asked the question, what is attention? Like, wh what is our brain doing to give attention? And so we went and did some deep dives, like, you know, we have a lot of data at Twitter, but those are the results of things. That's not actually what our brains are doing to give it. And so what we've been doing lately is like really investing our time into understanding what our brains are doing, not to just like cheat the system, but ultimately to play into and create this content that people want to engage with, want to pay attention to. And so what we've done is we went and looked at it and there's a lot of like heady stuff in there, but ultimately what we realized is that we have two levers that we can pull. We can pull context or we can pull location uh, or sometimes push them in those different directions. And so what we often do, especially when we're just starting with a brand is encourage them, provide interesting context in interesting locations. Don't keep it in the same spot. Or if you're going to keep it in the same spot, be like dead set on everything being the same spot, the way the camera's moving, the way that the text is appearing. 
Doing those types of things actually gets people's attention in a very fast moving timeline. We're talking about 6,000 tweets sent per second globally. Um, that's a lot of information that's available to, to people whenever they're, they're entering the app. So what we want to be able to do is say, hey, like, what are the things that we can do that we know people's brains are, are doing anyway? They're trying to check. We're doing it subconsciously all the time. How, like the, even as we're talking now, I can put my hand up well here and then all of a sudden I can draw that attention. I know that not everyone can see that on the podcast, but um, it, it is the way that we can uh, start to think about how we build this content in a way and push and pull those two levers the, in the right direction in order to get the message across that we know our audience does want to see. We want to hear about the latest things uh, from the brands. People actually do like following brands on a platform. So there's already that, that built-in behavior from people, but they just want to see something that's actually going to be worth their attention. And, and it comes back to this. If you don't get the audience's attention, it doesn't matter how cool your story is. Top Gun, going back to that, was a fantastic film. But if you don't get those people who are on the fence paying attention and understanding, it doesn't matter how cool the rest of the trailer is. That's why we see more and more movies doing six second trailers at the front and then playing the longer form at the, at later on. And, and it's not just, for, it's not just for them. It's, it's for, for other brands as well. We, we, we work in that very, even down to the performance advertisers are just looking to get you to install an app or whatever it is they're looking to get you to do. Those are the two different levers that we try to push and pull to get people to, um, to, to actually pay attention to what, what you're creating. I love that you went and did a deep dive on all of that because especially there is so much that you can do. It sounds so simple, but with context and location, there's so much that you can do with that, even though it might sound kind of limiting. But I think also too, to your point, it's, it's you know, anybody can spend millions of dollars creating video, but if you create 10 videos using millions of dollars each and they are the same video, that's not going to make a difference. So it's not dependent upon budget. It's not necessarily dependent upon, you know, uh, your industry and, you know, if you're selling something or, you know, it's it's really coming down to context um, and location, which is huge and gives everybody the power uh, to create attention. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it really is like, well, I actually joke about this when I'm talking with our clients and, and, and brands that I know that not everyone has a million dollars in their budget every single time they go to create a Twitter campaign. But, it, but you can make the number of times I see ads with, you know, $100 in, in an actual budget compared to one with 100000 And I can tell you sometimes the ones with $100 will do better <laughs> than the ones with this mat or smaller budgets amounts will, will do better because they've thought through these things. They understand where the audience is and what they can do to get their attention. I, I wonder about when you when you use the, those two, I think, key words, uh, context and location, does that also account for audience? Because uh, what I see a lot of brands do is kind of re-swizzle something they did on TikTok for, for Twitter or Facebook or Insta. And you if you are a fan of that brand and you've used those different channels, you're like, you, you know what? I know I've seen this before. It's, it's like they're barely scraping the surface of what's actually audience. Uh, centric on these different channels. So do you, you know, embedded within that, is there a notion of the importance of audience? Is that part of context? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think um, it, it's, you have to be providing the right type of context in order to get the attention. And, and typically when you're looking at Twitter, it's people who are looking to discover something new. Like whenever we go to Twitter, we open the app to find out the latest news, latest information, what's what's going on uh, in our com like smaller communities and interests, as well as what's going on at a global stage. 
And so if you can approach it and provide context that allows the users to discover something new, you're educating them in a way. We often find that that really works. We, we continue to, to think through the, we talk about uh, using threads quite often too for brands. You can thread media, but often that gets less le left aside and people just think about it in terms of text. But whenever you use those, they're increasingly used to educate and teach. And I think that's really fascinating. And I think it's a way for people to be able to, to lean in even further. Again, going to, to your point, Daniel, it, the context and location, that's just the start. And then you start to build upon those things. And that's why I love talking about content is I feel like there's never a never ending list of questions I can continue to ask myself and my team and others and, and learn and grow and understand what, what's new and what, what can make our stuff better. So speaking of video on Twitter, obviously all of our conversations today are Twitter centric, but I have to ask the question because as video is becoming intensely more popular on many, many other platforms, obviously, as we've seen with TikTok, video-driven platforms, um, people might not be thinking about doing a video-first approach on Twitter. So why would this not necessarily be the best advice? Like, why should they start be thinking more and more about video on Twitter? Um, and this isn't just playing into the fact that, of course, obviously, uh, you work in video, but you see the results. So I'm wondering if you could give us some tangible um, tangible reasons why we shouldn't just think in terms of tweets as text and making sure that we are actually prioritizing video on Twitter and making sure that, you know, even the ads that we're running contain video. Um, would love to just hear your perspective on that, because I think, especially as Daniel and I work with clients, I don't quite see clients thinking that way still. I think people are still thinking written word first on Twitter, which is obviously probably not the case anymore. Yeah, I'm going to actually uh, tip my hat to Harry Potter here. Um, so if you're familiar with uh, with the series, the, the newspapers in Harry Potter are moving and alive. And I think that this is something that um, is directly translatable to what, what's happening on our platform. I, I actually tell my team, I was like, I want the Harry Potter newspaper. Like that's what the timeline should feel like. Because as we continue to evolve both on, the, on our platform and, and, and across the world to increasingly engage with video and work with video content, we, we want that movement. It, it actually gets back to why we are gonna get the, or get an audience's, or the audience's attention. We can actually draw that in, provided additional context, provide more information, really interact and engage with, with, with the, the people who are just trying to figure out what's going on at the latest press briefing at the White House or what's happening in Taiwan, uh, what's going on in, in, um, with the latest um, you know, issues of the day. Or uh, I, I, what I ultimately love about like, the thinking here, and this is what we try to do a lot is really understand our thinking, is we want to, to create an experience in an environment where we're going to create content, for, especially as a brand, to uh, elicit like actual engagement and participation from our audience. We're not able to do that if we just continue to live in a two-dimensional environment and just throw some text up here, throw some flat images. Whenever you think about that, like we're all living in a three-dimensional environment. And like, if you want people to create that action, we need to elicit that out of the content we're creating. Really encourage our audience to understand that this is, I understand where you're at and like what you wanna be, be seeing at the moment. And then I'll also add, just add this, just from a pure metric standpoint, when you start on Twitter, when you launch uh, something new on the platform, the, for the first 48, 24, 48 hours of views on our platform are significantly higher than most others because of that reshare factor. That's why we often see brands come to us to help launch something new, whether it's a movie like Top Gun or a new product or service from Salesforce or whoever else it may be on a given day. That, that's what they come to do. And so if you can really initialize that there, it's, it's, it's a superpower of the platform.
I mean, your your role, and forgive me if I've paraphrased this improperly or incorrectly, but your your role uh, is is really fifty percent coach, fifty percent production. If I'm if I'm to uh, to use those those percentages, um, and so I'm curious, you know, in your coaching role and kind of taking your producer hat off in your coaching role, who do you uh, think does video better? Do do Brands who've embraced it do a good a good job of it, or is it creators who kind of drive the innovation, really push the envelope on context and location? Like, who is leading? Like, what tail and what is tail and what is dog? I guess is is my question there. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's increasingly uh, impossible to know. Um, I, I think you know you originally, and this is definitely I, I will say this. Most often we look to what are, are the people on the platform are doing first. I think that's going to always be uh, indicative of where things are going. But now that we've all been, I, I like to joke about the fact that, you know, social media, we're now in our like college years. So that's how long it's been around. So you have about 20 years or so. And so what's interesting about it is that like now we've seen enough, have enough things like be around that there, it becomes a bit more self-referential. And so what you'll see is when a brand does something that works, you'll start to see creators like build upon this. Um, and, you, you know, there's a num number of fascinating examples, I think, of that. Uh, I, namely, I can look at like some of the stuff that even like Mr. Beast does over on YouTube and how he has some interplay between what brands are doing. And it's like doing Mr. Beast Burger now and like all these different things as they start to evolve and play. I think that we get to a point where um, we see that self-referential piece. Um, and, and I think it's important that everyone is paying attention to what others are doing and understanding what's actually driving the audience to, to view and not only view, but stay engaged with the content. So similar questions since Daniel brought up the creator piece, because obviously we talked about the video piece and, and we know the other side of big, another big piece of what you do, not just two things that you do is, is the creator side. How are you engaging with creators on behalf of brands and what does that look like today? Yeah. So we partner, you know, we, we often will, will get a number of inquiries about like, Hey, what, what, what can we do with creators on your platform? And I think for us, it often kind of starts with, okay, let's, do you know what creators are on Twitter? And, and that's not admit in any way that like, that's condescending. It's more so like, that's on us to make sure that our, our, our brands are actually knowing what, what's, um, what's the superpower of the creators on our platform. Because the typical mode of operation is this person makes a video, it gets a lot of views, that person's a creator, let's get them to do that on Twitter. And what's fascinating about Twitter creators is you can look across the board, um, we continue to, to discover these, you know, these niche audiences, these smaller groups of people um, that have uh, what you are, I guess you would assume they'd be smaller, but they have hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people following in, in this space. And what we like to think about is, okay, what the, the, the win for our team is pairing the right creator with the right brand and letting that work itself out in, in terms of what it looks like on a platform. So if you're a brand looking to launch something new and it happens to coincide with the world chess championship, okay, um, let's just say that that's an example. Why would I not, why would I not want to um, get the commentator who's got, you know, 300,000 followers on Twitter to start talking about and interjecting if there's natural overlap there with his audience to drive that conversation and boost it. We have data that shows that that leads to, to sales, it leads to the bottom line. And I think it's on us ultimately to continue to carry that message that this does have that impact, but then also ultimately really set the, the brand and the creator up for success to, in that pairing 
so that we see some really interesting and unique uh, creativity on the platform to drive conversation. Because that's ultimately what they're doing day in and day out. And that doesn't always happen with video. Sometimes it's just a quote tweet. Sometimes it's a GIF. Sometimes it's a thread of maybe a, maybe one video in there or maybe one image. But ultimately, it's about getting that pairing right. And then we're able to get the audience talking and starting a whole conversation in this one community bleeds over into several others. No, I'm glad you actually just went into that because that was going to be one of my big questions is how, you know, brands are thinking about creators on Twitter, because obviously it is a different space. It's it it's just even the nature of the platform. It functions differently than I think people typically think about working with creators and working with influencers and, you know, having them say like, OK, go do this video thing. Right. Like that's probably not the most engaging way or even just just really a limiting view of how creators can leverage the available, you know, features of Twitter. I mean, it just seems like, you know, you even brought up such a great example about like actually engaging in conversation on behalf of a brand. And, you know, just curious if there's any other ideas that you have or any other ways you've seen creators partner with brands on Twitter to really kind of go beyond the basics and and do something that's innovative and different and fun. And again, going back to what we were talking about in the beginning, which is really generating actual engagement and getting people's attention in the right way. Yeah, no, I, I actually have two two great examples, and and I, one of one of which we didn't do, but I, I love to call this one out. Um, uh, but one one that we worked on recently actually was with Toyota, where uh, we have an uh, an app product where you like a tweet, and then you can get reminders or, or on a recurring basis about something. And so Toyota did this series with some creators where it was like you know like find out about some summer fun hit that like button. And then every week you're getting new video content delivered directly from this creator in partnership with Toyota in your mentions, driving that conversation, eliciting that, being able to like really drive those things. And so that's a really good pairing of both an ad product and like a use of creators. Um, but one of my, one of my favorite examples of creator uh, content on Twitter is actually a partnership that occurred between Converse and uh, Anthony Poe, um, where he just tweeted a screenshot of his DMs between him and Converse and said, I'm all good to do whatever. And they're like, yeah, as long as you're showing the shoe. And it was just a photo. So it was that screenshot and then a photo of the shoe in a toaster oven. And the num there's over 100 mentions of the like explicit word buy right there. The, the link underneath it was blowing up with even more mentions of that. And then hundreds of other tweets that were also Twitter language for saying I'm buying the shoe. Um, and so that kind of partnership that really sparked and engaged the conversation, the converse knew what platform they were doing this on, understood the audience, understood how to get this to, to work. And of course it happened ultimately when I get back to what I said earlier, right creator, right brand, and you have magic, uh, magic in, in driving that conversation. I mean, I, this is something, uh, we've talked about this on the show with the past guests and, and certainly just amongst ourselves, uh, us kids, uh, when mics aren't on, but the resistance a lot of brands have to to doing things that are that are right for or contextually right, right for the channel, right for the audience. They just like that's not that's not us. That's not on that's not on Converse brand. Like that wouldn't that doesn't fit our style. It doesn't fit our tone. Uh, you know, and it strikes me sometimes there just isn't room between your style guide and the audience's expectations on that channel for much overlap that that Venn diagram doesn't really overlap so you know do you have to do a lot of coaching with with some of some of the brands to just sort of inch them t t toward what you you think and know works best uh on the twitter platform how, how do you kind of get them to that to that that conversation without 
kind of forcing them to back away. Yeah, no. And I, I think that it really starts with, um, with us first and foremost, like, especially on our side, like I, I know Twitter content really, really well. Right. And that, that's my area of expertise. I don't know every single brand's voice guidelines, et cetera. I can't know that as in depth as the teams that we're partnering with. What we often do is we're encouraging these increasingly so encouraging these brands to understand where their voice can flex um, and where it can't. Uh, it's just as important to understand where it can't and where it can. But ultimately for us, our, 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 and this goes back to pairing the right creator is where is that, that line to let you flex without losing, you know, the, the personality of your brand. Uh, I know that you were talking to a few guests, uh, not that recently or earlier this year about, um, about how everyone started to sound the same on Twitter and that there's maybe there's, there's a lot of that like happening. I think what's interesting is when you look at our platform, there are so many different voices with so many different audiences. And I think what happens is, is we become too referential going back to that point and like looking at these brands and saying, and this is all the things that we are trying to talk through with these brands. It's like you, you're looking at this brand, you're like, oh, we should do that. And instead of going, no, what did that brand do? They actually analyze, Wendy's analyzed like, hey, we have this space. Um, Stakeham's did the same thing. It, you can look moon pie, et cetera. You go down the list of brands that have like had that, they have their own little uh, personality that they've created. You can do the same. There are so many personalities. We all have one. <laughs> and so, and we all have a voice that, and, and there, there is the opportunity to figure that out and then figure out just the right flex, it, whether it's on Twitter or other platforms that makes sense. I'm not one dimensional. I love talking about content just as much as I love talking about Baylor football. That's just where I went to school. I love talking about it, but I, I talk about both because I'm, I'm not one dimensional as a person and your brand doesn't have to be either. So as brands are thinking about creating content and obviously what the right space is for them and what the right content is for them on Twitter and, you know, producing more video and looking at, at different aspects of how they can come to light differently on Twitter, what are some ways in which you help them better understand what to measure, when to measure, and how? Because obviously there is so much more that they can get out of uh, just likes and retweets. So how are you helping them guide their efforts in ways that are meaningful, relevant, and also tangible so that they can see exactly what's happening, but not just focus on those traditional metrics. Yeah, no, um, th this goes back to even uh, looking at uh, both the creator stuff first as a way to have some inspiration here. Um, we've continued to find, there's actually a sub, we haven't figured out a good name for them. If anyone has a good name for creators on Twitter that have a very small following, but outsized impact, you can let me know. You can tweet at me, and we'll, we'll probably use it at some point. Uh, please don't just use a small bird. I'm sure someone will send that in as a suggestion. But ultimately, uh, the reason I bring this up is there there are a lot of uh, creators with this smaller following that every one of their tweets blows up. And I'm trying to get. I'm in, I'm just going to raise my hand and say I'm trying to get my head around how we elevate and really figure out what the, the disconnect is there in terms of increasing their audience. But from a brand's point of view. What you want to be looking at is actually like what that conversa conversation spike is. We actually see that it leads to this. I, I mentioned it earlier, but it, it, it tangible 3%, 10% increase in your conversation by your brand, at least at 3% uh, in sales. And so that is a tangible thing that comes back in all sorts of studies uh, that ultimately that funnel down when we can drive that conversation, it leads to that. And so we want to look beyond just like, 
partnering with the creator that has a massive following, but doesn't get the engagement. Or we want to do like, just because we promote a piece of content to, uh, to every single person on the platform doesn't mean that it's actually going to resonate and sit with them. What are the things that we're doing to drive those little, those uh, interactions, getting people to share it off of the platform? It's a huge indicator of success as well. Um, those are the things that we look at. And then finally, the biggest thing, and this is actually something I learned uh, previously being at agencies and then coming to Twitter and having the fortune of working with so many brands now, um, is often when I, I, we get, we initially start talking to a brand, they ask, Hey, what are our competitors doing? What, what's our category doing? And, uh, I have found increasingly our biggest discoveries and wins are when we say, okay, who are the other people with my objective and what are they doing? Then you get a CPG brand utilizing a strategy from a B2B brand because they have the same objective in what they're doing. And then you can see how those like let you be creative with your own space in order to create something unique and, and, and something that your audience is going to care about versus just doing that one-to-one -one, uh, over and over again. I mean, it really does do brands and creative and content such a disservice to not dig into some of those really beautiful, amazing metrics and just stay at the surface. So um, yeah, I love that you're helping to guide them and, and help them see the full potential. Um, Ted, I do have a question for you about a recent talk that you gave, and it's kind of jumping conversations a little bit. It's kind of switching gears. So we're going to go back to the video gear because you did just give a talk at Social Fresh in 2022, and it was awesome. Um, and you posted this really mind-blowing and fascinating clip on your own uh, Twitter feed, which was about this crazy ratio that you found for video and for engagement and um, for Twitter content. And I was hoping you could talk everybody through it. I'm trying not to give too much away because it really is mind-blowing. And I feel like if I give any more away or try to explain any more, I'm just going to ruin it and like mess it up because it's... It really did blow my mind. Um, so I'd love for you to talk about this like beautiful magic ratio that you found with Twitter content and how you actually have metrics to back it up. Yeah. So um, a couple of years ago, uh, this is before the pandemic, we were, you know, obviously leading at production across a bunch of content or a bunch of different services at Twitter. We, we get a ton of questions, but the most common one is like, I just need something that works. What can I do now? You know, uh, in some way, shape or form, that's the question. And so, um, you know, we're developing best practices. Uh, this goes back to even 2018, 2019 to really kind of move us into the next decade. Um, and uh, as we were looking at this content uh, and, and seeing some of the data points that were coming in about where you should put your logo and where your message should be and or where just visually interesting things should be placed, um, we started to notice some patterns uh, that were playing themselves out and, and understanding that from the data points. But then I also wanted to see what it looked like. So I took, um, this is not a joke. I took 200, this is a little bit more than I shared in the talk. I took 200 different ads that, that were kind of involved in the study and what we did. And I just threw them in Photoshop and started overlaying and seeing like density to see if I could see anything. And so that's where those, those two boxes that I talked about come. So there's a box or there's really three. So there's a box in the top left of your video kind of one a little below center that's a little bit longer, it's more like a rectangle, and then another box that's a little fainter in the top right. And so I was like, okay, there's something here. Let's just see like if this plays itself out. So what Anna's referencing is in the presentation, I, I walked through this, I started overlaying it on top of a ton of artwork. Um, and, and anything visual that I knew like stood out. So like award-winning cinematographer work to just, what are, let's see if this plays, plays or bears itself out. 
And ultimately what happened is that as I was overlaying and I was like, this is like, this is working, you know, and I'm like having this like, okay, this is fantastic. The problem is I didn't have a way to talk about it ultimately. Uh, and, and which, which is actually is great. Cause then it comes up with the story where I'm drawing boxes all over every conference room on Twitter. I mean, it, this was drawn in like Sao Paulo, London, San Francisco, New York, like all over the place where I got these, these boxes that, that are on all the whiteboards everywhere. And finally it was at lunch in our New York office and uh, a colleague of mine uh, came up to me as I was, I was headed, headed up. I was like, why, why do you keep drawing an envelope in every single conference room? And I, I honestly just stood there was like, oh my gosh, like you just, thank you. Um, I, I skipped lunch, went to my desk and kind of like framed this up. And it really is about who's it coming from in the top left? What's your message uh, or, and who's it going to it kind of in the middle. And then ultimately sometimes you yeah, ask the question, have you stamped it? Have you put the, the additional or secondary information up in that top right corner? And I think that that's, uh, first of all, very memorable and something easy that we can understand. It ultimately gets back to kind of going to what we talked about attention earlier. That's really just the default way we take in imagery. We start in the top left, move to the middle, go to the top right, back to the middle and take everything else in. Of course, that's happening in 13 milliseconds, but that that is just how the default mode of operation. So if we lean into that, it actually allows us to just not have to work too hard to get the audience's attention where we want it to be. Yeah, it is so fascinating. And y'all, seriously, go check it out. Um, it's uh, at Ted Vid, T-E-D-V-I-D. Uh, first off, go follow Ted because he has some awesome tweets and some awesome advice. And you can see all of the amazing things that he and his team are doing all the time. But also, too, the video is actually there. Um, and it's really, really fascinating. I, I believe you also posted on LinkedIn as well. But super crazy to see the visuals and how you did show some of those examples about how you lined it up with, you know, um, I, I mean, you've had, you know, artwork you had you know campaigns like it's it's crazy it's really cool so everybody go watch it go check it out um in the meantime ted are you ready for the final two questions of your interview today i am i am <laughs> well first off i do think we have to say um first off this has been amazing like we i literally could pick your brain all day about video and creators but obviously there's only so much time that we have at the day um, but thank you so much for being on. I'm really excited, especially after all of uh, what you've given already to hear what your uh, first answer is going to be. So, so Ted, are you ready for the final two? I I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. Perfect. All right. So first question, if you could give a piece of advice to anyone who wants to become a social pro, what would it be? Yeah, I, I, I uh, first of all, I love this question and I know that you ask it of everybody, but I, I I've loved giving this piece of advice and I've seen it work out for a number of people time and time again. If you can visualize what you're trying to get across, and I know this is like kind of par for the course coming from a content guy, but if you can visualize what you're trying to get across, it succeeds quite frequently. This goes from ideas and concepting to business plans, to uh, a tw Twitter strategy or whatever your content strategy is at large. Whenever we, I get my, whenever I'm thinking about how to get something approved or working alongside things, it's not just the external stuff that we're producing for brands. It's also the things that need to move internally in the teams that you're working with. Those are who you're interacting with the most. The more you can set up and visualize what you're talking about, even if it's just, you know, you drew it in Microsoft Paint, that there is something about like connecting in that way uh, that allows people to start to understand and, and uh, what your vision is that gets that and elicits that extra buy-in or that extra chance at that buy-in, that doesn't happen when you've just got something flat on a piece of paper or you're just talking about it out loud. If you can get the rudimentary, like a rudimentary, like visual, you're like, you're in a really good spot. 
Love it. Uh, progress over perfection, essentially. Yes, right? exactly. Like, yeah, love. Yes. Uh, or what is what is the famous quote? It's like uh, progress or no perfection is the enemy of progress. Yeah. yeah, I like. I'm a big fan of like that line of like just just kind of get it to a good place and and it'll be okay. I agree. Um, fantastic. All right, Ted. Question number two: If you could have a video call with any living person, who would it be? Yeah, this is also a great question. Uh, I, so, it's the underlying root of the answer. I'll start with that, and then give my answer. Is I, I really am fascinated by people who have. I, I don't know if there's actual. This is an actual term, but this is the way I think about how they think. Is that they they're carousel thinkers. So they're they're in the center. The world things are spinning around them, and they're like tackling one thing at a time. And over time, the things that are being projected on that back wall of the carousel, if it was a cylinder is starting to become visible to everybody else, you know, but they're kind of remaining centered, focused on one thing at a time and being able to build these things out. And I look at someone like Jimmy Donaldson, who I referenced, Mr. Beast, who I referenced earlier, or ultimately the answer is Kevin Feige in what he's doing with what the Marvel universe. Um, and, and people like that, that are thinking in that way, where they're able to focus and intentionally set out um, direction in one specific area, it starts to play out a bigger picture in the background that then others start to see. Um, that's really fascinating. And I would love to pick his brain about what he's doing there. Cause I continue to be more interested in the people who are building out, not just it, the one thing, one time that's their, their great genius in one moment, but what they're doing over and over again to create that creativity and spark ingenuity. I, I'm really fascinated by that. Plus it wouldn't hurt to know what's coming up in the next series with them releasing some recent things around the Marvel, Marvel cinematic universe. So <laughs> that's true. Yeah. He would be super fascinating to talk to not only just like you mentioned, having sort of that like carousel approach and like that big picture, but then also being able to overlay them at the same time, because all of those things are in production at the same time or like overlapping or, you know, so it's like the story maybe not even complete when they're already moving on to another. So to like, it is really fascinating how all of that has come together so unbelievably well. I agree. I think that would be a super fascinating conversation with them. Yeah. Well, Ted, I hope you actually do get to talk to Kevin Feige. Um, and if you do, please give Daniel and I a tip on what's coming up next um, so that we can go purchase like advanced tickets and, and you know, uh, know what to prioritize in our own list of movies, because I feel like uh, there's just too much good stuff to watch these days. It's very true. It's very true. If, if I get the inside knowledge, I'll definitely slip it your way. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. In the meantime, um, everybody, you really need to go follow Ted. So, Ted, where can everybody find you, follow you, and get all of your latest and greatest insights um, about the world of Twitter content creation. And then also to um, all of your tweets about Baylor. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You can go ahead and, and give me a follow at Ted Vid. I believe Anna mentioned it earlier. Uh, it's T-E-D-V-I-D. Uh, lots of lots of great stuff there between uh, big Baylor sports fan. I've been tweeting about that for years, but also a lot of great content stuff. Uh, got a little newsletter I'm sending some stuff out about too around production. And ultimately, definitely give a quick Google search of Twitter next and see a lot of the great work that we're doing over at Twitter uh, for, for our brands in partnership. And uh, there's a lot of fun stuff coming coming out soon. So definitely get, go go search for that and you'll see see what I'm talking about. Absolutely. Everybody go check it out. Um, in the meantime, also, Ted, thank you once again for being here. It was so, so wonderful to talk to you and um, just such a great conversation today. Thank you so much. Thank you both. It's been a pleasure. And everybody else, thank you so much for tuning in to the show today. We love seeing you come back week after week after week. And of course, we hope you will join us next week for what we hope is your favorite podcast in the whole world, Social Pros. <laughs>